the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. We have to keep our purpose in sight, determined to love the world around us with the gospel of peace, to maintain a perpetual sense of urgency and awareness, given the time is short and the needs of those around us. And that's why you and I, that's why we must cultivate this sense of urgency. Because every time we walk down the street, we pass people on the way to destruction. We pass men and women, boys and girls, on the way to destruction. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his study through the Book of Romans with a series of messages he's entitled, Changed Relationships with God. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And even how we relate to our enemies and how we relate to the government, this is all a buildup to choosing to benefit other people through righteous words, actions, and deeds with no thought of what we're going to get in return. And that's why this passage is so critical as we turn towards Romans 14 and the discussion of the weaker brother. Because there are people that seem purpose-built to drive us crazy. And then there are people where we're like, you know, we just don't have time for you. Well, you know, you make time. And so we have these two verses here in Romans 13, 8, and 10. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. This is what God, among other things, has called us to do. If we love him, if we know him, we will not lose sight of this and nothing will distract us from fulfilling our purpose. And when you think about it, when you take time to live out your faith in front of people, when you take time to, as God did for you, to love the unlovable, to respond and not to react to what they do, to think before you give some knee-jerk reaction to some insult, when you explain your faith to somebody, that is the ultimate act of love for them because... In so doing, 
you point them towards an eternity with Jesus Christ in a way, eternity outside the grace of God and the fires of hell. And so you have to keep your purpose in sight, in view. You have been raised up. How many times have you heard me say this? For such a time as this. God has placed you in this church, in this building, in this community for such a time as this, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Christ followers and born-again Christians. So the first key to loving your neighbor to owing nothing, to being encumbered and pressed down and occupied by nothing is to keep your purpose in sight. Key number two, key number two is this. Cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. Cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. A lot of times when we read passages in the Bible, we kind of camp on the ones that really touch our hearts and then we gloss over something else. But when you read this passage, it's, it's a string of thought. It's a discourse on love and how to love and what to do and what not to do. And we see this here in verses 11 and 12. Cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. Listen to the language here. Look at it in your Bibles or up on the screen. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. You know, as Christians, we were saved, we are saved We're being saved and we will be saved. Does that mean you're working out your salvation? No, it means you're living it out. And the ultimate consummation of your salvation is when Christ takes us home, either through death or through his return. And he's saying to them, you know the time. Each day is one day closer to your death or to the Lord's return. For the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And then look at verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Our need for urgency is found within verses 11 and 12. He's putting that towards us. He's giving us an explanation. He's given us a command. And he says, now, besides, you know the time. The hour has come. Wake up. Cast off all this stuff. Focus on the things you need to focus on. Cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. Time is running out on your children, on your friends, on your neighbors, on your colleagues, on your enemies who do not know Christ. Time is running out to love them in a life-changing, eternity-changing way. So cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of life. This is a principle you see in Ephesians, put off and put on, put off the old man, put on the new man, put on the armor of light, put on the whole armor of God, cast off, eliminate the debt, eliminate the things, eliminate the weights that encumber you and slow you down and keep you from serving God in an eternity changing way. When you read this passage, you can't help but notice the sense of urgency. The time emphasis, verse 11a, let's call it. You know the time. As believers, we know that this world isn't going to go on forever and ever and ever. We know that life is short and eternity is long. We know that we're getting older, not younger. You know the time. And then the the imminence imagery here. The hour has come for you to wake from your sleep, 11b. Get after it, as they say. Stop daydreaming and get after it. Live your purpose as a Christian. Time is running out, 12a. The night is far gone. And then verse 12b, the time is now for action. The day 
is at hand. In those days, nothing happened at night. And when the day came, you were up and at them, right? And so he's saying, you know, it's time to get after it. Then comes this call to action. So then, therefore, the command is to cast off the work the works of darkness, the distractions of this world. And, and it's not like we're all running around robbing banks and whatever. It's this. It's that sometimes we, we no longer make the main thing the main thing. And the things that we start worshiping inadvertently sometimes really become deeds of darkness because they pull us away from God. They pull us away from the light of the gospel, from the light of the world, Jesus Christ. As we are, we're marching every day towards eternity, but we start looking around because we're just distracted by so many things. And then following the negative imagery to put off the things of darkness in 12D, at the end of verse 12, put on the armor of light. Ready yourself for battle. You know, this spiritual warfare, you know, we, we make it almost a superstitious thing. Spiritual warfare is getting up and going to church. Spiritual warfare is reading your Bible. Spiritual warfare is being in a small group. Spiritual warfare is going to Sunday school. Spiritual warfare is serving in the church, giving to the church. That's spiritual warfare. It's not just all casting out demons or all this kind of business. That's about a one in a million or one in a billion thing. Spiritual warfare is waging war day in and day out. It's never backing off from the battle. It's pressing on. See, we are living in the end times. I'm asked frequently as a pastor, well, pastor, do you think we're living in the end times? I don't think we're living in the end times. I know that we're living in the end times. You know how I know? Because we're living after the resurrection and we're living in the end times. You had creation, you have fall, and you have redemption. And we're living after the resurrection. We are living in the end times. And the apostles and other writers of scripture sensed and communicated our need for urgency because of this. They urged a need for action, for endurance. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I'm just going to focus on verse 1, really just drives it home. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, every time you see let, that's a command, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, some translations say encumbers us, and let us run, there's another command, with endurance, that's cultivating and maintaining a sense of urgency, the race that is set before us. God has given you a ministry. This is the race set before you. The big one is to bring people to Christ. The supporting ministries are everything you say, think, and do here in this building, in this meeting house, among the church, God's people, and in the outside world. And there's never a point, there is no retirement in God's economy. There's no saying I'm 65, 75, or whatever. You are working until you go home. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3, 13 through 16, which really points to that. Brothers, this is the Apostle Paul. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the pri- for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, command, let those who are mature think this way and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, for those of you who think differently, God will also reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is what he's calling us. We have attained the gospel, therefore we press on. We are after it. We are cultivating and maintaining a sense of urgency. We're not stopping. We haven't attained anything. We strain each day. We agonizomai each day. Paul Kahn's of 
he sort of throws down a spiritual gauntlet here to Christians and saying, it's not over till it's over. You've been raised up for, time as the, for such a time as this. I, the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, I can't rest on my laurels. I haven't obtained everything. I press on, follow me. That's what he says. Follow me elsewhere, he says, as I follow Christ. And sometimes that's hard for us to conceive of. Time is short, the night being far gone. Because babies are being born. Friends are dying. We're getting promotions at work. We're striving for this and we're striving for that. We live in a culture of ease, a time of leisure and recreation. But if we are mature, we understand that these things are nice. They may be aspects of God's blessing, but they are not the end goal. They are not, okay, you know, like the, the, the fool, you know, Luke talks about, he says, well, I'll just build a bigger silo and I'll kick back and I'll relax. I've worked to get here and now it's just let the good times roll. And he says, you fool, today your soul is required of thee. So we need to maintain and cultivate a bias for action, a passion for evangelism, for the sake of a perishing world, for the sake of those around us, our neighbors who don't know Christ. And for those who do, because they can follow our example if we happen to be more mature than they are spiritually speaking. Therefore, in light of the mercies of God, we are to pre- be presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. That's why Peter writes this in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, some translations say gird, being sober-minded, being clear-headed, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That preparing your minds for action is an ongoing thing. It's a, it's a continuous action. That's where we cultivate and maintain that sense of urgency. Our hope is set fully on Christ. And that hope will be fully realized when we stand before him in glory. Not at the, not at the judgment seat, the great white throne, but at the, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We have to keep our purpose in sight, determined to love the world around us with the gospel of peace, and striving to, maintaining, to maintain a perpetual sense of urgency and awareness, given the time is short and the needs of those around us. And that's why you and I, that's why we must cultivate this sense of urgency. Because every time we walk down the street, we pass people on the way to destruction. We pass men and women, boys and girls, on the way to destruction, which brings us to our third key. Key number one is to keep your purpose in sight. Key number two is to cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. It takes thought and effort. Key number three is to declutter and reprioritize. Declutter and reprioritize. Where do you see that? You see it in verses 13 and 14. Now in verse 13 are a bunch of actions that we say, well, they can't apply to us. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But the bottom line is they don't apply People like us should not be engaging in anything remotely resembling this. So he says in verse 13, declutter and reprioritize. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not quarreling and jealousy. But, verse 14, instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We all have our weakness. We all have our blind spots. We can make no provision for those things. Sometimes we like to cut ourselves a little slack. If I get a little bit ahead, you know, I just kick back, whatever. 
There's, there's no room for that. that it's so countercultural because we live in this culture of leisure. We work hard so we can enjoy the fruits of our labors. Now, here's the problem. We don't work. We don't live to work and we don't work to live. We work to minister. And anything that obscures our view of God, that road to ministry, anything that gets in the way must go. Now, again, I'm not saying we're a bunch of working stiffs who lay around all day and speak in these and thous and don't have any fun and don't enjoy our wives and children and our husbands and our grandchildren. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we don't laugh together. We don't go to a 49, well, 49ers game, a Golden State Warriors game. Got to get a real football team first. But anyway, what I'm saying is, is this, nothing should come between us and God. And there are pursuits and distractions that make us take our hearts and minds away from God. They lure us away from our purpose. And some of those things have to go. There are good men who cannot afford an internet connection because of the pornography that's there. There are people who go crazy on Amazon and then just order after order comes to their house. Different people are encumbered by different things. Students, uh, some young people are, are rendered ineffective due to the student loan debt they have for meaningless degrees. And not everybody should go to college. Some should go to technical school. Some should learn a trade. Some should just go into the workplace. People are unable to give financially because of their lifestyle and their crooked ambitions or some other excuse. That's why we have financial peace, which meets you know today in room 220. We have to keep our purpose in sight. We, owe, we should owe nothing. There should be no no life-defining debt other than to love one another as God has called us to do. Owe nothing except to love one another. We cannot be conformed to this world. We have to be transformed. We have to urgently pursue the goal, the prize that is set before us. We have to lay aside every encumbrance, every weight, every burden, straining towards answering the upward call of Christ. We have to detach and discard. Jesus talked about this, right? Detach and discard. It's a principle that he taught. If your eye offends you, Pluck it out and throw it away. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. There's some persons, places, and things that have no place in your life. You have to think, why am I here? Why did God save me? Why did he put me where he put me? And if there's junk in the way, don't be a spiritual hoarder stepping over this and you can't even get to the door. Clear it out. Clean it out. Throw it away. It's not easy. Owe no one anything except to love each other For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law, and love does no wrong to a neighbor. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we read this. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Your company, your career, your physique, your politics have no lasting eternal value. You have been drafted into the army of God if you are a born-again Christian. And Paul writes that no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. This is you and me. Now, how do you do that? How do you declutter? I was reading an article on Japanese hedge trimming. Bonsai, right? That's bonsai, not banzai, bonsai. And if you've ever seen it's art, they take a, they take this, they take a, they, they, they just trim and clip and this and that, and they create works of art from, from plants, from, from shrubs. And one of the ways that they do this is to cut away everything that doesn't look like the end goal. They visualize in their minds what they want the outcome to look like, 
and they cut away everything that doesn't look like that outcome. That's kind of a picture of sanctification where we're like a big dumb block of granite and God chips away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. But as we live out, as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we are responsible for doing the same way. Cut away, cast away everything that does not contribute to your real purpose. Do not get entangled in the stuff of this world. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, not the cares of this world. You're not to be living out your life, as some people do, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. You're to be fulfilling the Great Commission. And anything that really prevents you from doing that needs to go. So declutter and reprioritize. So key number one, keep your purpose in sight. Key number two, cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency. Key number three, declutter and reprioritize. That is the application. These are the action steps. Only you can implement them in your life. But if you want some other ideas for application, let me give you three. You keep your purpose in sight by giving yourself to a ministry. Ask yourself, have I identified a ministry that I can serve in with my gifts and abilities? And some of you may be infirm. Maybe all you can do, all all you can do is pray. (laughs) All you can do. That's a lot right there. But are you actively, thoughtfully engaged in ministry? Are you giving of your time and your abilities and your treasure and your talents? Are these things things that you regularly think about and ponder. Keep your purpose in sight by dwelling on these things. Two, survey the landscape of your life and your regular activities. What's getting in the way of the master's business? What is keeping you from making his work a priority? Ask yourself that, identify that, and detach and discard it. Three, do I have a plan to detach and discard that which gets in the way? I've identified it, now what am I going to do about it? How am I going to do this? How am I going to cultivate a sense of urgency? How am I going to declutter my life? How am I going to make sure my eyes are fixed on the prize? And since we began with a financial metaphor, I'll end with one. When people are in terrible debt, speaking of Financial Peace University and the class that we have and all this stuff, there's a method called the snowball method. And it ensures that you gain momentum. And what that is, is this, start small and get big. You know, if you're if you've got 30 bazillion credit card debts and all this stuff, take the smallest figure, smallest peak chunk of debt and eliminate it and then go to the next one and you go from large, uh, excuse me, from small to large and you gain momentum and you gain breathing space. You can do the same thing spiritually. Take the easy thing first and eliminate it and it makes room in your heart for something more and then take the next thing and eliminate it. Take baby steps and move forward. And eventually, you gain momentum like a snowball rolling downhill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what you've got to do. If you do those things, you'll be able to keep your purpose in sight. You'll be able to cultivate and maintain a sense of urgency as you develop this momentum. And each step, you declutter and reprioritize along the way until you are back on track if you have gotten off of track. So let's find ways to love our neighbor with intentionality, And with the gospel of Jesus Christ, start small and go big, but move forward. Forget what lies behind and press on to that upward call of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us. Lord, help us to pay forward the love that you've given us. Lord, help us. Help us to owe nothing except to love one another. Father, because you have paid the debt that we could not pay through your son, Jesus Christ. And through his suffering on Calvary's cross, he has set us free from sin, death, and hell. He has carved away and cut away and paid the debt 
that was owed us through his suffering. Help us, therefore, to love him in return and in so doing to love our neighbor. Help us to fulfill the law, the royal law, as Jesus called it, as James called it, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and in so doing to love our neighbor as ourself, in so doing to fulfill the law and the prophet. Help us to, to live up to the name little Christian, little Christ, which is what Christians father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.